to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Thank you, everyone, for joining today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today, our guest is Dan Krizanowski. Yes. Dan is an active real estate advisor, investor, and partner. He's raised millions of dollars across multiple channels, including accredited investors, family offices, and investment advisors, while empowering his partners to raise seven figures on multiple occasions. He specializes in niche segments such as industrial and self-storage, complemented with a deep knowledge of tax advantage investing. I'm really glad to have you on the show today, Dan. How are you doing? Wonderful, Eileen. And uh, happy Valentine's Day to everybody. I'm wearing my uh, fancy pink <laughs> shirt, so I hope everybody's just as festive. Thank you. And so, Dan, I'd love to get into your background a little bit and mm-hmm. um, if you can share and how you got started in real estate. Yeah, so thanks. Uh, I grew up in Scranton, PA, so you know you can play out the whole Joe Biden story and um, obviously don't want to go there politically. But you know, my background was much um, for our rich dad, poor dad folks. It was a lot of folks that head down, went to work, great people, but maybe not as much as the deep mindset of passive income, of becoming rich, of just being aware of the tax laws. So, you know, fast forward after undergrad at Wharton, you know, like most folks living in a big city, I was in New York City, did my grad school at Thunderbird, met my wife in Mexico. So kind of a very typical, call it first few decades um, out of the womb. I was a co-best man in a wedding. And one gentleman, I said, hey, what do you do? He's like, I flip houses. And I was like, okay. Uh, and then he said, I'm like, what does that mean? He said, 15%. I'm like, oh, now we're talking. And then he said the magic words to me, did you know you can use your retirement dollars? And for me, you know, kind of being the bad boy at heart, I said, wow, this is great that my Fidelity Year 2100 fund, I can actually bring that in to do something tangible, uh, to invest in a hard asset. And, you know, thereafter to invest in community, female entrepreneurs, et cetera, kind of seeing how this uh, ecosystem and, you know, how we're kind of seeing today, the world is playing out and people are moving their finances in. But yeah, it was all just, you know, somebody that simply flips houses, takes a hard money loan, which, you know, paid double digits. And it's been fantastic since. Oh, wow. And so um, when you heard about being able to do that, what were the kind of like the next steps that you took afterwards? Yeah. So, I mean, from here, I had to learn what a self-directed IRA is, Um, you know, shocking for a six-figure tuition at Wharton. They don't teach you stuff like that. And uh, a lot of folks, you know, frankly, either where they get a hundred degrees or you just head down in your career or even more the traditional everywhere from CPA investment advisors, surprisingly have not been made aware that this self-directed IRA world exists. And then of course, from there, stuff like the solo K and I'd say different relative offshoots of this, of this concept. So from here, it was learning, open an account with one of the, I'd say, legacy players in the space. It was a lot of paperwork. I had to find a fax machine for the first time in a while. Uh, we're not going back too far. It's still in the past decade here. But you know, for me, it's like, wow, I can finally do something with this glut of money that I never knew I could do otherwise. So it's kind of like you don't know better until ultimately, you know, you know, or it becomes the point where it's um, a hindrance to move forward with a deal with your best friend because you know you don't want to be stuck on the phone with a random third party for an hour just for sake of. That makes sense. And so um, traditionally, we have you know stocks and bonds, and then they're mm-hmm. about a 60-40% split. What is kind of like changed nowadays? And then how can we get a little bit more diversified? Yeah, and I love how you referenced. I think most folks on the call, you know, from all walks of life, are probably familiar with the 60-40, which historically has been 
if you're roughly middle-aged, 60 stocks, 40% bond, and the world will be great. Uh, and then as you go on in life, the stock percentage goes down, the bond percentage goes up. I think what we've seen, you know, frankly, since 2008, but much more in, in recent years is there's just no yield on the bond side. I mean, literally, my mom, she's retired, loves to look at the CD rates, but even, you know, I mean, on 100,000 on a great year, maybe you get a grand back. And guess what? You still have to pay taxes on that interest, like really, you know, on, on 1%. And then, you know, equities, uh, sure. I mean, there's the great Tesla story and everything else this year. And some funds likewise have done very well, but you are riding a volatility wave. You know, I used to work for GE and the generations before me would say, keep the GE stock, you get the dividend. Um, some of those stories have gone away. So, you know, from there, even on the quote unquote, sexy high return equity piece, you really have to... Um, look back to say, okay, what am I really making off of this? Uh, what is the danger you know, that potentially comes in? And could I trust this over the long term? And I'm not knocking, say, don't hold any equity at all. I, I still think it's a good play with you know, a true manager that's been in this space for a while, or just go to an ETF. I think that's fair because you are riding a general macro wave. But from this, or just you know, if it's a high dividend stock, you're paying pretty healthy taxes still versus real estate. Um, so that's the background of a 60-40. It doesn't, and the big part, I think, once again, goes to the yield side that, frankly, there's just no yield out there. And the one argument is why are so many pension funds, et cetera, in equity? Well, they can't play in yield, so it has to be in another bucket. And historically, it's been easy to check the stock ticker, check the QCIP. Um, whereas I think now, finally, in the aggregate, folks are starting to see the light, especially of the benefits of something such as real estate. And so um, traditionally, when you're investing in the stocks and bonds, what are some of the benefits that you would get from real estate versus like the traditional path? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think real estate, when a deal is is underwritten, let's say on a, let's say industrial real estate. So think of your, in, you know, your quote unquote boring industrial park property that you never notice or like a self-storage until you're actually an investor in it. You have tenants with solid cash flow. There's a 10-year triple net lease. They have dedicated clients. And from the industrial side, it can be you know, government contracts all the way down. This is pretty slow and secure. So for example, if an industrial fund says, I'm going to pay 7%, well, guess what? You know, they're going to pay 7%. And then secondly, like mo I'd say most folks probably on the call here and you know, our community that we have of fellow sponsors, um, the standard is basically to do a return of capital, which I'll put my caveat, I'm not a CPA, et cetera, et cetera. But basically here, you're not directly getting your capital back, but this is how the backend accounting works. So, you know, a few things happen. You receive a physical dividend, you're not paying the short-term capital gains tax, and then you get a benefit basically until the sale date of real estate. Uh, so for me, that's a lot more exciting of riding a wave on an equity for a dividend when the stock can still go down. You know, a bond that, frankly, now maybe you get three percent on a triple A ten thirty year bond. So it's um, for me, it's just pretty simple math. You know, look at even just yield to yield or net yield versus say the positive net yield of real estate. And so also, I'm going back to the self-directed IRAs a little mm -hmm. bit. So if someone were wanting to take those funds and the funds that they have in their current traditional 401ks, how are they able to, you know, move the money from there into a self-directed IRA? Sure. And I love this topic. I get so excited that I'm <laughs> going to take a drink. I promise it's tea, but if you're listening on Friday, you know, fill in the blanks. You know, what's great about self-directed IRAs, and I'll preface, you know, it's kind of like me, it's old, it's from the seventies, but once you get to know them, you're like, Hey, not too bad. And um, that's SD IRAs. 
they came out in the early 70s. There's been multiple politicians that have used them. You know, some great backstories. Mitt Romney, when he was on the stump in 2012, they said, Mitt, you know, I, I thought we can only put three or 4,000 in our Roth. Yours is worth a million. He's like, well, you know, didn't say much. And of course, the Wall Street Journal finds out that his Roth was actually worth over 100 million. Um, and this is kind of, I call it the seed versus the tree analogy that, you know, a lot of, especially your, your friends in the West Coast will get the Silicon Valley stories. But I share that because whether it's the pre-tax traditional or the Roth, um, these have been around for a while. And then for our self-employed friends, something called the solo 401k. Um, I know others in the space may call it an EQRP. Basically, it's for an individual or a married couple without W-2s to take great advantage of first potentially rolling over their old 401k, so to your per your question, and then secondly, contributing you know over $50,000 a year. So the mechanics are very simple. And the best way to, what I want to preface, it's it's relatively easy. It's legal. It's another stop on the train. So think you work for company A. I'll look at my career. I worked for Merrill Lynch. I maxed out my 401k. When I left, it went into, say, Fidelity. Okay. So now it's officially called a rollover IRA. From here, I can keep it in what Fidelity limits me to on their platform. So stocks, bonds, a variety of, you know, handful of mutual funds. Or I can go into this magical world of self-directed with the exception of investing in myself or my linear family. If my mom had a side place, my son started, et cetera, I can invest in whatever I want, more or less. It's very powerful from that standpoint. And all you're doing is, once again, moving from fidelity to a self-directed provider. I was previously an investor advisor with Rocket Dollars. So you know, the nice thing here for folks new to the space or if you're a sponsor, um, look at the likes of a rocket dollar because I could say it's country club cool how you can sign up in five minutes, go back to your fidelity, fill out their paperwork, the money comes over, and then you have this checkbook control. And just as easy as you can, you know, quote unquote, write a check from your piggy bank checking account, you can now do so out of a checkbook controlled SDIRA or checkbook controlled solo 401k. So the process is very simple. You know, you still have to buy by, you cannot take your money out early without penalty before you're 60 or 59 and a half. RMDs will come in, required minimum distributions when now, you know, it used to be 70 and a half, 72. But it's the high level rules are the same as if you were to keep your money at your old custodian, but there's so much more um, that you can do in between. And I guess, you know, the big takeaway is it's very easy to sign up. It's very easy to move the money over. And then finally, just as easy as you would move from your piggy bank checking account, you can invest in things and the money can go back and forth with your self-directed account. So with the um, the traditional 401k, you're able to take it out at, you know, at a certain age, right? Um, mm-hmm. Is that the same thing with the self-directed IRA? Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of doing a um, a withdrawal, yes. You know, it's real fun to uh, a side story. I met a lot of pilots and I think there's two times in your life you can be cool. You know, when you're a senior in high school and if you're a pilot when you're 59 years old, because you're approaching that magical age when, you know, you're probably going to retire, but also you can tap into this glut of retirement money. And frankly, pilots know better than anybody. They travel the world and they say, I'm going to buy a condo in the Caymans, but you know what? Next to me, I'm going to own and operate, you know, I'm basically going to own, have a third-party manager come in and operate two parties on each side. And I'm going to do that from this 401k that I've had for years and years. So it's really exciting when folks kind of are educated in the latter part of their career, which once again, for us folks mid-career earlier, 
you know, you can tap into this once you have a small balance. And frankly, especially with crowdfunding, if your intention is to get your feet wet and know a few different assets, um, you know, frankly, with something as small as 10,000, I think is a fair balance to move towards that vision of, as we talked before, 21st century diversification. So um, with the self-directed IRAs, is there any like things that we should not be doing in the self-directed IRAs? Yes. So the common, um, so basically three high level things. And this is what I like about this, much like the analogy I share is like your health savings account, you know, your child breaks his or her arm, you take, go to the ER, um, you try to go on vacation. Well, obviously can't use your SSA for that. The IRS likewise tells you what you cannot do with your SDIRA, solo 401k, uh, no life insurance, no collectibles like uh, Air Jordans, And then the big thing is not yourself or your linear family. So what this means is I cannot buy a place at the beach. So for my Texans here and go out to Corpus Christi and stay there on the weekend because my self as a person is disqualified to my IRA, as is my spouse, children, uh, grandparents. Oddly enough, brother or sister are not included in there, but you have to watch you would not give them a sweetheart deal. Um, otherwise, similar, you know, well, my son has a great startup idea. I cannot, my IRA cannot invest in him. Now, what I will share, what's nice is with the solo 401k, um, many entrepreneurs say, you know, I probably need 25k or 50k for my idea. I don't want to do a raise, but I really don't want to ask my friends and family yet either. With your solo 401k balance, you can borrow that money and do whatever you want with it. So as long as you pay it back over five years. And, you know, there's some other, I'd say, other sophisticated strategies with that. But just from a basic strategy, um, you know, you borrow 50K, you use it for either your life expenses, maybe your company, your company goes, well, great. You pay yourself a salary, you pay back your 401K also with interest. So it's a a nice way to add to the balance also. So another benefit of the solo kind. So what are some of the, I guess, the pitfalls of somebody who actually, you know, wants to utilize this? I don't really see any huge pitfalls. There's no gotchas. I mean, it's once again, it's very clear what you cannot do. I think a lot of whether it's, you know, Rocket Dollar or the traditional custodians in the space are very upfront that, you know, like for example, cannabis is not a full green light asset class. Um, you know, maybe things will change with the flip of administration in Congress now, but, you know, crypto is an okay. Uh, gold, obviously, real estate is an okay. Uh, doing personal loans to friends, investing in a female entrepreneur, and basically listing my portfolio here, all of that is okay. And, you know, the main thing is the self-dealing piece or, um, and there's a fair amount of cases out there. If it's like a husband and wife both want to use their IRAs, uh, which I won't go into detail at the moment, but something called a multi-member LLC that you can look into. And as I said, I think people have a pretty good gut feel. uh, And I do feel the industry does a very good job up front having pre-sale conversations and pre-investment conversations of, you know, what may be considered in the gray area. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. 
To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. And so for you, you mentioned a little bit about your investments. Um, so what were your three most recent ones? <laughs> awesome. Um, so I'm actually here at Beautiful Capital Factory in Austin, Texas. I have, uh, you know, humbled and honored to be a mentor here for the past few years. So I have talked to over 100 startups and uh, do throw a few chips in from now and then. So um, these are just fun. And then I'll share my video ones. But uh, Blended Sense, I think, is great. You know, the girl from Boston, the boy from the Bronx, and they just do amazing thing with videos, uh, stuff that I can't even comprehend, but it looks great on the back end. Uh, there's a company real quick. So I would say for our realtor friends out here, really tight to get more solid leads at a lower cost is kind of what their mission is. And uh, so, as I said, just another benefit of, you know, I view it as, okay, one, here's money I can't touch till I'm 60. Two, it's in a Roth. So the whole Facebook story, if this goes great, I want to say I'm the smartest guy ever. And then, you know, also I've done uh, loans, personal loans, uh, primarily to female entrepreneurs. I, I love the relationships. I love the products or service, the companies they're building. There's a lot of transparency between it. Um, no shock. The returns are great. The loyalty is there mutually. So I would say that's kind of in call it the fun position. You know, to our real estate friends out here, uh, as I said, I, I call it riches in the niches. And I think there's a lot in Texas or what ties to Texas. Um, so some of it, um, I would view, you know, like any portfolio, kind of what's your bell curve. And I feel multifamily is a very, it's the meat and potatoes. It's in the middle. But what do you have kind of on, uh, you know, the good fringes both ways from a risk return sort of category I like things such as Rust Belt retail. So what do I mean by that? Think if you have a Walgreens in a dollar store, what am I going to do today? I have allergies and I have to buy napkins. I'm going to go to Walgreens and I'm going to go to the dollar store. Um, all Americans are doing that regardless of asset class. It's a very solid, uh, to the point even during a COVID year, this flipped for 30%. Fantastic return um, in the Roth portion of my IRA. So once again, that initial amount is already up. I paid on the seed, not where it's growing to. Secondly, here is, I'd say on... The other side of that is an infrastructure. So what do I mean by this? Think of something like a floor and decor that never shut down during COVID. Uh, it's Amazon resistant. So at the moment, Amazon's not sending 400 pounds of uh, you know marble to your house. So <laughs> I'm sure that'll change soon. But for now, that's going to stay open. And then you get your industrial parks that mix as a headquarter, building a specialized widget that, you know, say the US government buys for defense. I mean, that's going to be around for a while. So it's a very secure 10-year triple net lease. And this is what I call the slow and steady that pays you that monthly pref kind of in the six to eight range with some juice on the back end. Um, so I view that as, although, you know, you cannot say that's officially guaranteed, I view it as, you know, in the same risk profile as a triple A corporate bond. And a lot of third parties have said that. And then, you know, finally in the middle, as I said, I have, I'd say, you know, once a lot of the meat and potato asset class, or I'm sorry, within multifamily. Uh, one thing that I'm becoming knowledgeable of is workforce housing. And what I share, because uh, this wasn't a term that was as well known to me recently, is, you know, folks that are the working class uh, making 25 to 40K a year could be a single parent with a few kids. And what you realize here, what is very big and I know we always say location, 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 real estate, but this is really big. Um, you think of one car, three folks of age that can drive. You need in that mile circle where you can walk to that dollar store. You can walk to a supermarket. Uh, you can walk to the major bus station. Maybe for security, you do want to be in the kind of more of a well-lit area than the fourth or fifth complex in an alley. So by default, there's going to be a little more hair, but these are the things that um, even at a pro forma 25 can even double from an ROI. You know, if managed well, can flip pretty quickly. So, um, 
little more wild west, but I just kind of viewed along the bell curve of risk return. And there's different, you know, timings to from one, three, five, seven year to kind of um, space it out. Thank you for sharing that. So then for you, what are you really looking to do next? And what is like your next focus? Ooh, so exciting. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I joked before in Texas, if you dance with somebody three times, you got to marry them. So uh, I've, I've done this. What if uh, you're already married? Well, don't tell my wife. Uh, well, I won't even go there. It's too late. Um, you know, I, I do feel loyalty. And just, as I said, I've been fortunate, especially with, you know, Rocket Dollar to share my story and so many great folks. So my hypothesis, much like a few years ago, I said, listen, how come the average American, how come it's like the average American doesn't know about these self-directed accounts? How come it's not country club cool? And then I realized because of the paperwork and the facts and the scanner and like, oh, I get it. You know, now that it's becoming country club cool, although, you know, 100 billion versus 10 trillion is still 1%, year over year growth is growing, for example, in the self-directed IRA market. So my next thought is, I look at just the investment advisor and a lot of folks that I talk to, um, you know, middle age or maybe 10, 15 years, they have to make that life decision if they're going to stay with the Merrill Raymond James or go on their own. And if they do, as we talked earlier, you know, that's 60, 40, maybe I'd say some more forward thinking advisors, they do the 40, 40, 20, 40 stock, 20 bond. And that other 40 is going to be a mix of alternatives. And a default is at least 10% real estate. And I love that. And I get it, you know, there's some people that might be just strictly alts, but at the moment, the 40, 40, 20 makes a lot of sense to me with the 10 real estate because a million dollar portfolio that can be spread out probably two to four real estate sponsors, different asset classes, different geographies, uh, pretty easy to see when the dividends are coming in. So the investment advisor can still track all that on a relatively easy spreadsheet. So I'm very excited with that as, you know, my hypothesis. Um, I mean, it is, I don't have the exact number, but it's, you know, X trillion dollars. So if certain slices of that or certain investment advisors say, yes, we are going to invest in alts. And yes, we want, as I referenced before, a very kind of boring, slow and steady income infrastructure fund. Not going anywhere, COVID, no COVID. Um, you know, some of the issues we had in multifamily where you can't really collect rent effectively for a year. You can't um, push out tenants. That tends not to happen on the industrial side. So that's why I go back to this kind of AAA sort of analogy. Uh, an investment advisor is going to look at the risk profile first versus the return, where I, I feel most of us and fellow investors are going to look at the return first and then play it off versus the risk. So like anything, it's a huge ocean of water that if a little bit trickles into, you know, call it our stream, it, it can be a pretty major impact. So I, um, I'm putting myself first out there. So if there are any true independent advisors um, on the call, yeah, I'd love to uh, love to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing, Dan. So I have a couple of questions that I typically ask all of our guests. Um, One of them is, how has real estate investing impacted your life? You know, the fun part now, um, our son, he was born on St. Patrick's Day. So I said I'm from Scranton, PA. So that's the national holiday. I have a green watch, you name it. Uh, No tattoos. So I'm an oddball here in Austin. Uh, I guess I won those bets the drunken high school days. You know, what's fun now is I just think the consistency of the dividend. You know, a great, uh, I think, quarantine trick is, you know, we call it board meetings. So every three months we go out, it's his day, we buy a toy, do all that good stuff. Way away from real estate, it's just a great parental thing to have that one-on-one time with a certain child. And then as they get older, so you can have those intimate kind of moments kind of planned out. But at this age and at any age, it's fun. And, you know, I do reference like, hey, here's a storage check. And he's like, that's a big toy. And it's really cool. And likewise, seeing kind of just the consistent thing that comes through, uh, 
you know, I grew up on a trading floor. It's very transactional. Uh, so it is exciting from that standpoint, but it does lead to real things too. I mean, that's especially like take a COVID year. So much went on last year, but let's say you did have a, you know, round numbers, hundred K invested. Well, cool. You know, you made 8% in dividends. That's great. That's something tangible that you can do with or move to something else. So for me, it's always, I just think it's so great to always have money in use from very short. I have a very good friend, a gentleman I referenced at the beginning of the call. You know, he's like, hey, Dan, I need a little more money. to. Or do you want to put in 17000 on this next flip for three months? Sure, because I have checkbook control IRA. It happens very quickly. Um, so you're always keeping kind of stuff in use backed by a hard asset. Secondly, is the different tax benefits. And I'm really starting to know what this is. And as I said, you know, as that money comes back, do you continue as an LP? Do you become a GP in a deal? Are you going to be the traditional, I'm going to own a few houses? You know, all, all these are great avenues. And I think once you understand where is where you're going, if you want to stay W-2 or not, you can kind of plan accordingly. So that's where I think, call it second half of life, but still first ending of real estate that I'm really excited about. And what is one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? Ooh, I think it's on the tax side, head to toe. You know, the GP benefits, and I will preface, you know, two things. One, everything's completely above board. It's pretty black and white tax code, pretty simple. Uh, GPs do take risk. There's no joke. I mean, some are, you know, effective personal guarantees and other things that come into this. So it's not like, oh, this person's sitting back and taking a cut on the back end. You know, it's like a startup. How much are you really making hourly? But, you know, you get a nice bump at the end. Um, so I, I do think they're they're deserved and well well justified. So as I said, the first thing for me was really learning, becoming an expert on the IRA, you know, the retirement side of the dollars. Now it's more, of, okay, here's your liquid flow. What does that mean? So Obviously, if I would have taken a course on this 10 years ago, that you know would have been fantastic. But as I said, I still think I have fair wild and gone. I'm learning so much from our peers in the industry that are the experts on the liquid side. And hopefully I can give something back um, in education on the self-directed side. And what is one thing that sets the successful people apart in the real estate investing business? Well, uh, I think this is for all business, but I think dropping your ego are also not being too excited. Uh, so what to give you a real example, um, I think this was the first question Joe Fairless asked me when he asked me. So he, he punches you hard, you know, in a good way um, on his podcast. But I we were in baby bliss, pregnant first time, and I saw a property. It's north, you know, this is before Austin became number one on everybody's list, but it was in the beautiful northwest part of town. And this house was going to flip. It was a short, hard money loan. I've done hard money loans before. And I was like, cool, easy money. You know, my son will be born. Well, and 90 days, it didn't happen. And then another 90 days didn't happen. Um, you know, then I tried to play lawyer a little bit, which is you know, obviously a horrible idea. It, you know, ultimately it wasn't catastrophic, but it wasn't great. So it was kind of school of hard knocks coming in. And as I said, I, I think sometimes it's about the person. I mean, 99% of the time I'm going to choose to invest in somebody. Um, I would say maybe 90% just on the person, the gut feel never make that decision or sign the dotted line at three in the morning. Uh, the next 9% is track record. And I share that because, you know, somebody coming out of the gate, I'm not going to discount you as a potential somebody I invest in if this is your first deal. In some ways I may want to get in. I might not put in, you know, relatively speaking, if 10 is my lowest, 100 is my highest in indexing terms, I might only put in 10, but I want to be with there with you for your first deal. And then I hope when you're printing money, I still get that first call down the road. I'd say uh, just kind of a practice going forward. And then, yes, you do look at numbers and stuff, of course, but that's, um, you know, I I would always, I think there's certain hurdles that if it's just not going to be there in asset class or geography, 
be respectful of everybody's time because it does take a fair amount of energy to have these GPLP discussions. And what tools or techniques have you used to improve the efficiency of your business or your personal life? Ooh, what I like, it's very simple. You know, I'm a Mac guy uh, using notes. And yes, I have a CRM and there's obviously fantastic things based on your brand, your team, your budget, what you can do from a full blown out team, offshore HubSpot, HubSpot CRM, et cetera, et cetera. But especially now that a lot of us are basically working off of a screen, um, something as simple as notes. And I want to detail because I know we were on a, a call earlier today is a reference point. So, you know, this is early 2021. So all of my notes of, okay, here's the call. Brian Briscoe hosted, boom, boom, boom. But I'll know if I took a note and talked to somebody, like their urgency behind 1031 might be because, well, the Senate just changed hands. So in first quarter 2021, this is a big deal. You know, probably in a few months, we may know how serious if 1031s are still going to be here or go away. But I have that reference point and I have different people's names and I take a lot of notes. And then if we go offline for a chat, I have another separate note. And, you know, kind of being, I'm, I'm half neurotic, like a la Jack Dorsey, you know, in terms of my little coding, I know if there was something very unique, like maybe I like TXMF, and it's, the MF doesn't mean that, but, you know, Texas multifamily, I'll have little codes in here that, you know, somebody might mention this down the road. And I'm like, wait, who is my, or let's say my self-storage guy or self-storage gal, I'll have a little code in, in that note thing. And you can do this in a CRM also, but just so quick on a call, like, oh, wow, okay. Here's the three people I wanted to introduce to, or here are the three resources, or here is, um, I was at a breakfast this morning, and this gentleman who's um, an expert in mineral rights brought me a great book on 1031 with oil and gas. So it's all kind of there. You know, I heard the one gentleman has this endless 800-page G-Doc, um, you know, control F, you can find it. So uh, that's worked well for me. Thank you so much for sharing everything, Dan. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And so if our listeners want to find out more about you and what you do, where can they go? Yeah. So um, LinkedIn is great. There's not too many Dan Kurzanowski's out there. There's probably a few in Canada, but I'm the guy here in Austin, Texas. Uh, feel free to reach out. Email is dan.kurzanowski, K-R-Y-Z-A-N-O-W-S-K-I at bvcapitaltx.com. We'll show in the show notes. And, um, you know, because it's Valentine's Day and I am from the city of brotherly love, Here's my little gift. Here's a little Ben Franklin. Um, I know we talked a lot on self-directed IRA. So I joke, if you can spell it, you can get it. D. Krizanowski, to our friends here, uh, my personal code, if you know, frock a dollar makes sense, or particularly more so for your investors, feel free to share. That'll get you $100 off. So happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dan. Such a pleasure, Eileen. Thanks. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifacecapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.